Hello and welcome to another month, another property investment webinar. Hey, we are so excited to be here and just while you guys were listening to the music, Andrew and I were having a bit of a debate. What were we saying? It wasn't a debate, it was I said to Ed, we need to start a webinar playlist. We need the Opus Partners official webinar playlist and Ed was basically telling me no. On Spotify. So just to make sure that you guys can hear us, Comment in the chat whether you think that we should start a Spotify playlist with all of our webinar music that we play before each webinar, just to make sure that uh, that that we can actually we're being heard at the moment. Let us know down in that, and just make sure. Oh, I'm seeing some sure thing. Somebody asked who chooses the music. Tilly says yes. It's usually a bit of a debate. We uh, I chose tonight's song, um, and we were going to come in with the something about Mary theme song dance, but um, Ed said no, he's tired. We often have a little bit of a debate or a committee meeting beforehand to choose the music. People say, why not? Let's go into it. Radio, we are here tonight talking about how to buy your first or your next investment property. And we are fresh from Palmerston North. We were just at the New Zealand Property Investors Federation Conference. And in fact, here's a wee pic of us with- uh, Was one anyone the, there? One of the key speakers, uh, Mike Pero from Mike Pero Mortgages and Mike Pero Real Estate. Let us know in the chat, actually, if you were there. There were over 300 property investors at that event. We were speaking and we were also the main sponsors of that. So for anybody who was there, it was so great to meet you. And we were in Tauranga last night actually speaking to their local property investors association as well. I can see a couple of people saying they were there. Mike said that he was um, really excited to meet two celebrities that knew a thing or two about mortgages. <laughs> now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is tonight we are talking about how to buy your first or your next investment property. And it is important to mention this is a webinar. We're talking to probably a thousand odd of you tonight. This ain't personal financial advice specific to your uh, to your situation, but we hope that it is going to be useful. And the other thing is we're going to take things up a level like we did at the last webinar, last month's webinar, and we're going to get practical. So we are going to pull up our spreadsheets and take you through a few things. We are going to dive into some case studies and a quiz that I'm going to kind of launch tonight for the first time. Now, if you haven't been to one of these webinars before, here's what you're going to get. Whole webinar for free. You're going to get the recording for free as well. And I've already seen somebody in the chat saying, is this going to be recorded? Yes, it is. What we do is tomorrow morning, David, our producer, uh, who's sitting right here, you can't see him, but he's sitting with us. He chops it all up, makes it look really nice. And then we're going to get that off to you. Any data we share, free Q&A, we'll do that at the end. Free spreadsheet that we show you, free slides. We don't send those out. One last thing before we kick into it. Please make sure that you send your messages, your chats, to panellists and attendees. I think your one actually might say everyone. So just make sure you send it to everyone. The great thing about these webinars is you guys chat back and forth with each other throughout the entire show. What that means is we can all help each other out, answer each other's questions. It's really cool. Now, if you haven't heard of us before, you might be wondering, well, why should I listen to these two guys? First of all, we do run New Zealand's number one business podcast. It's called The Property Academy. And every single day we release a new podcast episode. This morning was about New Zealand versus Singapore. What are the differences between the property markets? And in total, that's been downloaded 4.5 million times. Within the next year, there will be more downloads of this show than there are people in New Zealand. That's exciting. And we also own Informed Investor Magazine which is New Zealand's only 
uh, Broad Investment Magazine covers shares, funds, all that good stuff. And then also we own New Zealand Property Investor Magazine, the official mag of the New Zealand Property Investors Federation. Yes, and I just say, can we turn the volume up? Yes, we can. I'll just turn myself up. Keep that uh, feedback coming as well. So we're big into property investment. We're big in investment in general. I'm Ed McKnight. I'm an economist here at Opus Partners, host of the podcast at a property investor. And to your right, uh, <laughs> you'll see Andrew Nickel. He's a financial advisor, managing director at Opus, hosts the podcast, and is a major property investor as well. One final thing. Uh, we are about to release in November our new book, Wealth Plan, How to Invest in New Zealand Property and Retire on Real Estate. This is not the final cover, but it's pretty close to what it's going to be. So make sure you look out for that. We are going to be launching that in November and it's going to be excellent. We'll talk a little bit more about that at, at the end. Now, enough about us. Let's learn a little bit about you. So before we dig into the actual content, I always like to run a bit of a poll in order to understand where everybody is at within their property investment journeys. So I'm about to put this across your screen and I'm going to ask you, what's the size of your investment portfolio today? Five plus investment properties, two to four, a single investment property. You don't own any investment properties yet, but you own your own home or you are a first home buyer. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and I'm going to put that poll right across your screens, launching that now so we can get to know you a bit, so we can tailor the presentation. While, while people are doing that, there was one question from someone asking about pre-orders. Oh, just sorry, for anyone answering in the actual chat, just do it on the um, actual quiz. And also for uh, questions, if we put them in the Q&A tab, um, Ed and I will try and answer as many as we can at the end. Um, someone asked about, will there be pre-orders for the book? There will be pre-orders when we launch in November. Yeah. Um, and we'll let you know exactly when that happens. We're also excited, just while you're finishing up answering those, we are coming to Napier, Auckland, Wellington, Queenstown and Christchurch as part of the launch plan for that book. So we're going to have events in each of those cities. Now, I'm going to stop that poll there and I'm going to share those results with you all. So what do we see, Andrew? Lots of people lots of people with um, their first investment property, which is great. Quite a few new investors here, which is really exciting. And 7% uh, with five or more rental properties, which is which is awesome. That's a huge portfolio from you know, usual standards. But the great thing is it's good to see that there are lots of people who own their own home but aren't in their first investment property yet. That's great. That's who this webinar is for, as well as for you guys who perhaps own one investment property and are looking for your next one. So we're going back to basics a bit with tonight's webinar, and there are three major things that we're going to cover, and I'll just get that poll off your screen so that we can focus back on it. So we're going to share my screen again because there are three things we're going to take you through today. First of all, one of the major principles of property. Then we're going to talk about how to see if you can actually invest, and I've got a new quiz for you, which you're all going to be able to do. And then we're going to talk about something really important. How do you run a cash flow for an investment property? And Andrew's going to take you through a case study there. Now, Andrew, walk us through one of the, the most important principles of property. Well, I think one of the biggest things when people get started is figuring out, well, you know, how do I invest in property if I don't have a huge amount of money in my bank account? And this comes down to the concept of leverage. And leverage is what makes property so exciting from an investment standpoint because you can use your equity or you can use some money and get a whole lot of money from the bank. So 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to show you... Oh, sorry. They want your microphone up. Right, there we go. I'll talk a little bit louder as well. So how do I invest in property when I've only got, you know, five grand in my bank account maybe? Well, the key thing here is you can borrow the deposit if you already own your house. So I want to take you through step-by-step step how this works. So this is your own home at the moment, and you own it, you and the bank often a lot of the time. Now, banks will give you up to 80% lending against your house. So if your house is worth a million dollars, you can borrow up to $800,000. So that's there. So there always has to be a, an amount that the bank keeps as their safe zone in case they have to sell you up. Now, if your mortgage at the moment is less than that 80%, then you can extract your deposit from your existing equity. Now, that you'll see here is your uh, usable equity, we sometimes call it. That's the amount you're able to borrow up to that 80% line. Now, if you take a deposit and then you use that towards an investment property, then you can also borrow against that investment property. Now, that essentially gives you 100% lending. Now, I had a really interesting conversation with an investor that I'm working with, and they said, well, my broker said I can't get 100% lending. Well, you can't get 100% lending, but you can get 80% against a new investment property, and you can get 20% against your house. So essentially, you're borrowing 100% of the money. So that's what I mean by that. So just to be really clear for me, Andrew, what we're talking about here is if you've got some equity in your own house, you can borrow against that and effectively then use that money that you've just borrowed as the deposit for another house and then borrow even more against exactly. it. Exactly. I'd say 100%, but then that gets confusing. So the one thing you need to know is it's not that simple. There are more things that come into it. So you think about, well, where do I get my equity from? So there's your house, which is probably the most common thing that investors we work with uh, uh, use. They use their own house as the tool to give them their deposit. The other part is savings. So some investors have saved up some money and they might use some of that in combination. What a bank looks for, they want to look at the deposit and the income. And the income is something we're going to talk about in a minute. But actually, I'm just going to stop sharing the screen for a second. Christine's asked a really good question, or it's not a question, she said age, age. So talk to us about how age might play into this, because these are the basic principles of it, but there are a few other things to consider. So if you're, if you're nearing retirement, Christine, then generally speaking, banks are going to be a little bit harder on their criteria because you've got less um, work life to be able to pay back debt. Now... That's, that's definitely true when it comes to your own personal mortgage. With an investment property, that can be a bit more forgiving. And the reason for that is, well, the tenant's probably going to pay the bulk of your mortgage or your costs. So it does depend a little bit, and it depends a little bit on your on your job. We actually did a uh, podcast recently on um, the, the the reasons why your mortgage might be uh, my fault. No, we did a really good one on how old is too old right, to invest in property. And there was a really good point within that podcast, which Hannah's just made, which is... Uh, you need to have a really clear exit strategy. Now, we're not going to get too derailed talking about age because it's such an interesting topic that we could talk about, but I'll just refer you to that podcast. Could we send that out tomorrow when we send out the webinar? Oh, if producer <laughs> David reminds me, I always say this, I'll forget. The other thing that I just want to mention around this as well is that whole concept of borrowing against your own home to fund the deposit of another investment property, God, it just blows your mind, doesn't it? And in fact, I was in Tauranga, or both of us were in Tauranga last night, talking to two teachers, and they were talking about how could we teach, or what do we need to teach kids about finance? And I said, 
It's this ability to leverage. If you've got an asset, specifically your own home or an investment property, the ability to borrow against that to buy more assets God, once you get your head around that, and it's it's kind of the first fundamental uh, principle of investment property, it will change your life. And one of the things that I kind of think about if, if you're in a position where you do have equity in your house that's kind of untapped, you, you have to have the stomach for investing in property, but once you kind of get over the risks and how you mitigate those, if you've got it in your house doing nothing, it's kind of like having money in the bank doing nothing. And that's kind of, that wouldn't be acceptable. If you had a million dollars worth of equity in your house, we can kind of just kind of forget about that. But when it comes to a million dollars in the bank, I guarantee you if you're getting 0% return on that, you'd be pretty disappointed. That's why we sometimes call it lazy money or dead money. Now, we've talked about the broad principle now. Now we're going to get a little bit more specific and we're going to be talking about how to see if you can actually invest. And this is where it starts to get really interesting. Now... The first thing I want to teach you is the most basic usable equity formula. So this is how you figure out how much deposit you have within your own home. So we take your house value, we multiply it by 80%, and then we take away the mortgage. That will give you what we call usable equity, or how much more you can borrow against your house. I tell you what, let's just dig into a case study. So we're going to go here to a couple, Bob and Judy, they're based in Wellington and they've decided, do you know what we'd really like to do? We'd like to invest in Christchurch and we'd like to buy an investment property that's going to go up in value. Now we're going to assume that Bob and Judy's house in Wellington is worth a million dollars here and their mortgage is 500k. So now let's see how much usable equity they have within their own home and how much investment property they could potentially purchase with that. Okay, here we go. So Bob and Judy, they've got a million dollar house. We're gonna multiply that by 80%. What does that give us, Andrew? $800,000, same as I said before. $800,000, we're gonna take away their 500K mortgage and that gives us 300K. That's the usable equity. That's what they can use to fund the purchase of a potential investment property. Now the question is how much investment property could that potentially give them? Now if they were to go and purchase a new build investment property, that's where they'd need a 20% deposit. If they were to go and purchase an existing property, they'd need a 40% deposit. So an easy way to do it if you're investing in new builds is just to multiply that by five. So they'd get $1.5 million worth of new build investment properties based on that. Now, if they were investing in existing properties, it'd be half of that because it requires twice the deposit. So it'd be a maximum of $750,000. But this is kind of the way that you could start to figure out, do I have enough equity within my own home or my investment property in order to go ahead? Bearing in mind that investment property, you can borrow up to 60% of it, but I won't bore you with the details. Now, bear in mind, we have only talked about equity so far, not income. And the thing is that when you go and apply for a mortgage at a bank, which we all need to do most of the time in order to purchase an investment property, there are three tests that banks are really gonna look at. And we'll dive into these very briefly. The first is LVR, loan to value ratio. Now that is effectively equity. That is what we have just looked at. The other two tests are related to income and they'll typically look at what we call UMI, that is uncommitted monthly income, which is basically, can you afford the mortgage once you've paid your other expenses, and then also debt to income. 
Now, that's basically how much debt do you have compared to all of your various income. And what they'll do, and we're not going to bore you with the details, but what they'll do is they'll run your numbers based on these three, and they'll usually look for the lowest one. So let's say that get the second test, UMI. That's the one that you score lowest on. That's the one you can borrow the least amount on. Well, that's the maximum that they'll let you borrow. If it was LVR, it was your equity, then that's the one that they'd say, you know what, that's your weakest one, that's how much we'll let you borrow. Now the really difficult thing with this is as we've kind of already seen, equity is very easy to calculate, especially if you're just buying your first home. And the reason it's very easy to calculate is you can take your home, multiply it by 80%, take off your mortgage, you're away laughing. Now UMI and debt to income ratios much more difficult to calculate. And the reason is because there's so many formulas. And so I've tried to make it simple for you. And for the first time, I'm going to take you through this specific calculator. What I've done is I've built you something that says, can I afford to buy an investment property in New Zealand? Get an instant answer. And I've taken all of the formula or formulae from the bank's spreadsheets and I've put them in the back end so you can answer some questions, get an instant answer. And so you know what, I'm going to take you through a wee case study and we'll go through this to kind of get a sense of what you might need in order to buy an investment property. So we're going to take an example, another case study. Here we're going to talk about Alan and Eric. They want to invest in a property up in Auckland. And it might be an apartment, it might be a townhouse, might be something like that. Well, let's go through that quiz and I'm going to give you a wee demo to see what could Alan and Eric potentially buy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep sharing my screen now and I'm going to take you to this quiz here. So I'm going to send this out to every single person here. So um, if, you, if you feel so inclined to, to uh, note down what that URL is, go for it. Um, otherwise, I'll take you through it and we'll send this out as part of the email. So let's click find out now and we're going to make up some numbers for Alan and Eric and see how we go. I'm going to zoom in as well to make this really big for you guys. So how many properties do you already own, including your own home? Now we're going to assume that Alan and Eric, they own their own home. So we'll click one. And they are investing together, so they are investing with a partner. Now I'm going to assume that Alan and Eric, oh, let's call it they've got one child living with them. Now the reason the bank cares about how many children you've got living with you is it, it makes a difference in terms of how, how much do you spend per week? How much can they assume you spend per week? So let's go ahead, and we're going to assume they're a two-car household. Okay, now what would two people living in Hamilton kind of earn? What would what would a standard salary be in Hamilton? Uh, let's say let's say um, sixty-five thousand dollars per person. Okay, so we're going to say sixty-five thousand dollars per person. Pop that in for both of them, and this is going to spit out a number at the end, which is really exciting. I'm going to say they don't have a cash deposit right now. And let's talk about their own home. We said they only own their own home. I'm going to say it's worth, call it $700,000. And let's say it's their own home. It's an owner-occupier, so they can borrow 80% of it. And I'm going to say their mortgage is $300,000. They've owned their, that property for a while, so they've paid off some of that mortgage. No rent on that property. Now, the cool thing here is, apart from this big old video of my face, which we obviously need to update, is it spit out a single number. 
So these guys may be able to afford an investment property of $772,152. That's just to prove to you that it does actually spit out an exact number. <laughs> Very specific. Well, it actually does the calculations. And the cool thing that we've got here is it says, well, what could you potentially afford? Now, we've only gone new builds here today. We haven't done existing. But it says, look, Christchurch two-bed house. You know what? Yes, they could afford that if it was 625k. Um, two-bed house here in Auckland. You know what? Yeah, we think they could afford that. 769k would be pretty standard price. Three-bed townhouse in Auckland. Hey, or potentially not. Looking a bit shaky there. But the really cool thing is if you scroll down to the bottom, you can retake the quiz. We can put in different numbers as well. And that's great for people that might be thinking, okay, well, that's not the number that I want. So let's go back and see if I, if I ask for a $5,000 pay rise, how does that affect it? Well, you know what? Let's do it, Andrew. We've got all right, time. All right, go on. So let's say that Eric and Alan, we called them, they really want that three-bed property there in Auckland. So how could we get them up to 899? You go back and I'll see if we can make those numbers We'll work. see how we can do that, eh? They're funny. Look how, look at, look at you. Yeah, I look a bit skinny in that <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, look at you. I stopped saying Were you it. about to say that? Oh, I was going to say that. Let me just get rid of these notifications on my screen and we'll scroll down, retake that wee quiz there. Here we go. So again, one property. They are investing together. Now let's say they've got one kid there. Did they have one before? Yeah, they did. They did. Okay, okay. So what are we going to ask okay. as a pay so, rise? So let's put, let's put um, let's, uh, they both asked for $5,000. Okay, let's see what impact that would have. So instead of 65 each, we're going to put them up to 70k each. And are we going to keep everything else the same, Andrew? Uh, let's just go through the next thing. Uh, cash, cash deposit. deposit. Let's say that they ask mum to help out and they have a $30,000 assistance from mum and dad. Okay, so we're going to use that as cash, not yep, borrowing. Correct. Okay, really important that. We're going to say that first property again, it's still worth 700k. It's an owner-occupier. They've got a $300,000 mortgage against that. No, let's say they paid that off the mortgage and then borrow 100% on the rental. Well, in that case, they don't have a $30,000 cash okay, deposit. All right, all right, sorry. You we can't spent, do we've this. We've spent a lot of time together over the last two weeks. Um, oh, oh, yeah. oh, look how close we are. 898.734. Now, let's go down again. They, According to this, because we've done it very simply, they it still says no, obviously, because they're not quite at 899, but they're starting to get very, very close. And so this is kind of what you could use in order to be able to figure this out. Now, I see producer David has popped this in the chat, um, the wee link. So I'd encourage you to go go have a play around. Not now. Well, make sure you're You've still gotta listening. Stay. You've got to stay. You've got to stay because we've got more good stuff. But this is really exciting. Now, there are two things that I think I do want to mention about this uh, particular calculator. Oh, I'm on this camera now. Um, the first thing that I want to mention <laughs> is that it has a maximum number of properties. So we go up to three properties. So for you guys who have zero, one, two, or three properties, you guys can use this. For any of you who have got five properties plus, hey, this specific calculator, probably not going to be for you. Now, the reason we've done that is once you get up to four, five, six properties or more, your situation becomes much more complex. And so it's better to have somebody actually looking at it rather than just using a calculator because there are different th ways you might set things up across different banks. 
Second thing that I want to talk about is how accurate is this calculator? And I think this is something that everybody always wants to know. I'm looking at a calculator, I'm putting in my numbers. Is this the specific number that I am able to get? The answer is it is not the, the be-all and end-all that you can potentially get. Because what's going to happen is different banks will look at your situations in different ways. Uh, a mortgage broker might be able to hook you up with a second-tier lender, for instance. We actually had an investor relatively recently who used this calculator, and they were slightly under what we said they'd need to be. Well, actually, we hooked them up with a non-bank lender. They were able to purchase. But this will give you a general guide, and I think it's quite a cool starting point. We've been as accurate as we possibly can, gone through all the bank's um, spreadsheets, trying to backward induct that, recreated ourselves within this, and we're giving it away to you guys. So it'll give you an indication, but it's not the be-all and end-all. I'd still encourage you to talk to a mortgage broker as well or a mortgage advisor as well. Now... Now that we know whether we can afford an investment property, and we've gone through that, and we know some things about equity, how we might be able to tap into that, I just want to spend quite a bit of time talking about how do you actually run a cash flow for a property, Andrew? So let's assume that we can invest. How do we take that to the next level? And this is where we're going to get really practical within tonight's uh, webinar. Okay, so firstly, let's talk about what actually is property cash flow. So for any newbies here, the, the, the cash flow of a rental property is pretty straightforward. So your rent, first of all, that's kind of like your turnover. Then you've got your mortgage payments that come out of that, if you're borrowing any money. And then you've got your operational costs. So things like your rates, insurance, maintenance, property manager, all the other kind of costs. And that gives you your cash flow. Now your cash flow can either be positive, so you've got a surplus after paying all those costs, or it can be negative, and that's, you're topping that property up out of your own out of your own income. Now, we're in an environment where rates are higher than they were 12 months ago. So if you are borrowing 100%, if you're buying a high growth property, which I'll talk about later on, it's not uncommon to be making a contribution. So your cash flow would be negative for a period of time. And then you break that down into per week and per year and figure out, okay, well, if it is a negative cash flow, is it an affordable amount for me? Now, the affordability of cash flow depends on your strategy and also your personal situation. So there's no golden rule. So we're focusing tonight on passive strategies, which are buying new builds and holding on to them, compared to the active slash renovation side, uh, which is existing properties, which you're going to add value to and, and cash flow hack. Uh, we do other webinars on that if you want to follow those kind of things. So this is going to be our focus tonight, the new build, the passive, the relaxed, the easy way of investing, I guess. You've got two types of properties under new builds, and all properties fall under a spectrum of here. You've got high growth properties. So that would be something like a, a, a townhouse or a house in a main centre. And then you've got yield properties, which might be in your main centres as well, but generally speaking, they might be something like an apartment or a dual key property, which I'm going to talk more about if you've never heard that term before. And so with a growth property, like a house or a townhouse, you would expect over the long term to get better capital growth. But you sacrifice yield. You sacrifice cash flow to do that. So just as a pure example, if you bought a townhouse in Christchurch, you might expect to be topping it up $100 a week at the moment while we've got higher interest rates if you're borrowing 
a high yield property like an apartment in Auckland, potentially, might be giving you a significantly better yield, so it might be making $100 a week, but the capital growth will be significantly less than a growth property over the long term. So it does come down to what you're looking to achieve. Now, I used to do this all manually on a piece of paper with a calculator, and then Ed came into my life. So we created the Opus Partners Return on Investment Calculator, the link's there. You can download this, and I'm gonna show you how to use this tonight a little bit. This is um, what we call the what is yeah? The holy grail of spreadsheets. This is for new and existing investors to inset, uh, to to assess uh, uh, their their properties, both if they own them already or if they're looking to buy something, and compare side by side what the return on investment is and the cash flow. I'll show you the numbers that help. Someone actually, I think Brian mentioned before that he's seen other companies ripping off your spreadsheet. Ed. Oh yeah, I've seen that as yeah. well. Look. Um, we don't mind. Um, at the end of the day, so long as you investors can get a tool to help you make an informed decision, we take it as a compliment. The great thing as well is, the, the thing that people can't copy though, is there's about 100 rows worth of formulae that power the spreadsheet and all of the yeah. tax calculations. So I feel quite good about myself that, that after uh, two years of releasing the spreadsheet and improving it over time, um, nobody's managed to, to copy it entirely. They say imitation is the purest form of flattery, so Ed can take that rather than me imitating how he walks down the street. Um, no good? <laughs> All right, so let's go back to here. So I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to actually show you the numbers on three properties. I chose these because these are three properties that I'm right now looking at with um, some uh, uh, an investment couple that I'm working with. So the first one is a townhouse in Auckland uh, in Favona. So Favona, for anyone that's from outside of Auckland, or anyone that knows Auckland, is between Mangadei and Mangadei Bridge. Um, now these are three bedroom townhouse plus they've got what's called a flexi room. And I won't go into that too much, but basically it's an extra bedroom without a door. So it could be a study, it could be a nursery, it could be a second lounge. It's, uh, you're basically paying for a three bedroom unit and getting a fourth one for free. Um, Two full bathrooms um, and a separate toilet and a car park. So 899000 so that, that investor that you were looking at before, that profile, could borrow this potentially, and about $750 a week rent. Oh. <laughs> right. Now, I've just got to give some context to that. So, <laughs> Andrew and I like to play tricks on each other. And when we were in Tauranga last night, I put up this. Put it back on their screens, David. Um, I always call Andrew the Briscoes lady because right now he says you'll never buy better. Yeah, yeah, the deals right now are the best, some of the best I've seen in terms of a discount than what I've seen for the whole nine years of, owning the, of running this business. <laughs> um, there are so many deals. So anyway, Ed, Ed sneakily put this in my presentation. So halfway through my presentation last night, this jumps up and everyone laughs at me. But then, then he got me back and put in a photo of me in my grandmother's high heels when I was three years old. And so anyway, I've got him back tonight. So yeah, let's okay. keep well, going. Um, right, then I'm going to show you a townhouse in Christchurch. So the investors that I'm talking about right now, they, they are very focused on getting into both markets, so they've got a horse in both races, so to speak. Um, $619,000 for a two-bedroom, one-bathroom car park um, unit, rent $500 a week. And this is the, this is the extra kind of the curveball. So this is something that... Um, 
will not be as common to, to um, uh, a lot of investors out there. This is what's called a dual key townhouse. So what I like about this is townhouses tend to get better growth than an apartment, and we see a lot of dual key apartments, but this, essentially you're buying two apartments on top of each other. So you own the whole thing, and so for $899,000, you've got two units, which you rent out for $550 a week each. Um, uh, two bedrooms, two bathrooms, obviously, because you don't want to be sharing a bathroom, and they're essentially two separate tenancies. So this is uh, the first two here, uh, what we'd call growth properties, because, you know, Auckland, growth property, Christchurch, growth property. This is a more of a yield property, but it's kind of somewhere in between the growth and the yield. And just to show you what this looks like, and this isn't the exact floor plans for those units, um, but the, the, the imagery that I had for them weren't that clear, so we've used one from the same developer from a previous uh, development. But essentially you've got uh, downstairs, you've got your bedroom, um, you can see that to the left there, your living area, kitchenette, and then you've got a bathroom over to the uh, top there. Oh, there we go. And then upstairs, oh, you've got your entrance to your top floor, and upstairs, you've got the same sort of thing. So you've got your bedroom over here, bathroom over here, and a separate kitchen dining lounge. So really great way of getting a high yield. Now, let's go into the demo. Right, let me pull that up for you then, Andrew. So and I'll get you into the spreadsheet. I've pre-entered some of the numbers here just to make it a little bit easier. So I'm not going to go through the assumptions or the time to build or anything like that. Uh, I'm just going to take you through the core numbers. Right, so... The Favona town, uh, um, townhouse, by the way, I went unconditional on my one of these that I'm buying today. Uh, um, I'm going to assume that the value is the same as the purchase price. Now, tell me in the chat how everyone's going into seeing that with size. Are we okay for size or should I make that a bit bigger? Yeah, I think the size looks okay, but okay. I'll monitor the chat. Okay, I'll make it a bit bigger. Okay. So, well, it'd be nice if you actually typed in the number. Value, value and purchase price, I'm going to put them as the same here. So $8.99. Um, in actual fact, the valuations are higher than the purchase price because of our negotiating. Um, uh, for Sprayden, it was $6.19. And here. And the reason you might use a higher value is if there's a higher valuation on it. Uh, and these one here were $8.99. Okay, and now what I've done here is I've worked on someone borrowing 100%. So you'll see down here, um, 899 being the purchase price, plus 3,000 setup costs. So by the time you pay your lawyer, your valuer, etc., your mortgage is going to be 902. Now 20% of that is going to come potentially from your uh, your property. Uh, that you already own your, your own house, and then the balance is going to be against the new investment property, but in total you're borrowing all of the money. Now, in terms of um, interest rates, so I said I wasn't going to talk about rates, but just quickly, I'm using the one-year rate here, but then I'm allowing for these to go up next year and then come back down to a normal, uh, a more regular long-term average. So that's all factored into the calculator. So the rental income for Favona is eight fifty. Seven fifty. So seven fifty. The rental income for Christchurch was five hundred, and the rental income for the high-yielding property in Wellington is eleven $1 hundred dollars for the two tenancies. 
And I always allow for vacancy. So someone asked in the chat group, what happens if you don't have a tenancy? You have to budget for not having a tenant all of the time. But if you're using a good property manager, you should have them uh, a tenant for at least 50 weeks of the year. I've allowed for all the costs. So I've allowed for uh, a hands-off uh, investment where a property manager is looking after it. I've allowed for rates, insurance, maintenance, everything. You'll notice here, just in terms of uh, um, something that's a bit different, I've allowed for $1,000 worth of maintenance for the high yielding property, and that's because there's two tenancies, so I'm allowing for two sets of $500 a year for tenancy. Um, now, our calculator will give you a capital growth rate um, that, that, you, that you should use for, oh, hang on, I haven't done this, sorry, I've got to go back here. Under the property type, you have to choose if it's a growth or yield property. So Favona is growth, Spraden is growth, so it's a townhouse. Um, and if you want to know what historic uh, growth looks like in these areas, you can actually come down here and it will tell you. So historically the growth rate's been 6% here and it's been 8% here. Our calculator will give you a recommendation. So 6% for Auckland growth, 5% for Christchurch. Now if it's a yield property, it will discount the growth because it's it's more suitable for another investor. So if you go yield here, you'll notice that it takes off a percentage, and in this case it uses 3.5%. Now, I'm going to override this in this situation because normally we would use that if it was an apartment, but in this case, it's a townhouse, so it can be converted back to a townhouse, a regular townhouse. I'm going to put that as 4.25. Historic growth rate here is 6.22. Okay? Now, then we can look at each individual property in terms of cash flow, and we might, we might look at that if anyone's interested. But the main thing I want to focus on now is the results page. So Zoom in on that as yeah, well. It's a bit to. blurry. I'm going to. So... The key numbers here, so the return on investment, which won't mean a lot necessarily, it's quite useful if you're looking at, um, you know, which is the better return on investment. Now, not everything is about return on investment, so if someone wasn't looking for cash flow and they only wanted to buy two properties and wanted as much growth as po possible, they might buy the first two and exclude the lower hut. Now, these investors that I'm working with that I've taken this information from, they're looking for what's called a wealth wheel. They're looking for three properties to bundle together to um, have good growth, but then have a property paying for that good growth because they don't want to make as much of a contribution. Now, the things that I look for when I'm looking at investment, I want to know what am I putting in and what am I getting out. Now, your average top up per week in for the Auckland property, borrowing 100%, is $141, and that lasts for eight years. And then the property becomes positively geared. So you'll see that. The Spraydon property is $130 and lasts for 10 years. And the Lower Hutt property is $125, but only for two years. Now that's because interest rates, we've allowed for them going up, so we've allowed a year for it to be built. I'll just go down here. And then a year for the rates to be higher. And then it's generating an income. Now the great thing about that income is it can help pay for this and it can help pay for this. So the negative cash flow on the other two properties. So sometimes we call that a wealth wheel. Now, what am I going to get out of those properties? So at 6% capital growth on the property in Auckland, 
the Favona property has made $932,000 over a 15-year period. Now, that's inflation adjusted, so the actual uh, amount is going to be higher, but we bring it back to today's buying power. Sprayed in, it's about half a million dollars, and lower hut, it's about $550,000. So the three properties here together will give these investors, if they bought all three of them, about $2 million worth of capital growth over the next 15 years. In terms of contributions, they've paid, you know, uh, around about uh, 16, uh, um, let's round that to a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And here, they've received in positive cash flow a couple of hundred thousand. So the great part about this as a wealth wheel is they've put, they've put money in from a cash flow perspective, but then they've earned it back in those same 15 years time. So their, their net contributions will actually work out to be positive. Um, so essentially they've made that money without making, well, they've made the contributions but got their money back. They have put equity investment, but this is coming out of their existing owner-occupied property that they've got lots of usable equity. Anything you want to add there, Ed? Yeah, I do. One thing that I would just say, and I'll stop sharing my screen now, is that it's really important that no matter whether you're investing in an existing property or a new build, whether you're using us as your financial advisors or doing it on your own, What's really important is that you actually do run cash flows like this. Now, we think our spreadsheet is excellent and it's probably the best in the industry, but you don't have to use our spreadsheet. But it is important that you use something. It is important that you run the cash flow. So whether it's positive or it's negative, you actually figure out, well, what am I either going to be getting from this property or potentially putting into it? And this is a step that many investors miss. What we often see is you might see your property going off down the street being sold or maybe you see something in the property press, realestate.co.nz, trade me, something like that. And you think, yeah, okay, I like the area I live in, I like this area, I'm going to go and buy that. Look, it's really important you run these cash flows because especially after recent tax changes, the, the difference in cash flow can be extraordinary. What I'd like you to do, Andrew, is could you just quickly copy across yes, and make the it. same numbers, and I want to compare the same property, and I want to show you what it would look like if you purchased this as an existing property yes. with the changes. Now, I'm going to save this. Can you just save that quickly for me? Because I'm going to send out tomorrow this spreadsheet for you with those numbers so that you can see how I've arrived at, at, at those results in case you want to play around with it and try it on different rents or different interest rates or different vacancies, whatever you want. So we're going to save that for you there. Okay, cool. So I've saved that, and you're going to Cut. want a second version, aren't you? No, no, just, you, I won't save over top of it. No, 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 I'll give you a second version. Okay, all right. Yes, I know I what you like. I love you say, you're going to want this as what you want, isn't it? No, 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 it's what you want, mate. Okay, all I right. know you well enough. All right, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to copy and paste this exact same Auckland property, um, and which I love, by the way, um, and I'm going to get rid of this because I'm OCD. Well, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Um, so we're going to use exactly the same numbers and just pretend for a minute that this was an existing property that you purchased that therefore had no interest deductibility. And we've done podcasts on this if that's a new term to you. Existing property purchased after the magic date. Okay, so now I'm going to use the same rent. And I'm going to use the same costs. 
by the same anyway, aren't they? Yep, yeah, they are. Thank cool. you. Cool. Just make sure that the right. thing's the uh, same. Uh, the uh, uh, development timeline. Hang on, hang on. We're missing something here. What are you missing? Oh, oh, we've got the discounted. Okay, all right. That's fine. Okay, now we have done a discount here. So if it doesn't have tax deductibility, we discount the capital growth rate because we're not sure what the effect of um, these changes are going to be. I'm going to override this in this instance. I'm going to use the exact same capital growth rate to make it as comparable as possible because really I'm, I'm interested in the cash flow. Um, and we'll assume that it's got the same uh, the same channel yeah, value, even though that's not the case. And actually, probably without allow a higher maintenance for an older property. But again, I just want to focus on the tax situation. Now, results summary page. So, your return on investment's gone from three hundred and ninety two to two hundred and sixty four. Now, what that means is rather than um, this property as a new property being uh, almost you know, balanced out in terms of the negative and the positive years. And what I mean by that is you're making contributions between years one to nine, but then years 10 to 15 is giving you positive cash flow. So if, if years 10 to 15 pays for years nine to say four, then you're really only topping up for the first three years in terms of cash flow. If you look at this as an existing property, Holy hell. it's just negative. It's just negative. What's just, that all add up to? Um, well, I'll tell you what, exactly what it adds up to. So if we go up here, rather than putting in 64,000 in cash flow and getting back 35, you're putting in 169 and getting back zero. And your capital growth is exactly the same, and that's why it's a big difference. And actually, one of the other things I didn't change in here is the fact that you need a higher deposit. So let's go back here. If it's an existing property, you need to have a 40% deposit. Oh... This is going to get bad. 175. So oh. what's happened here now is you've had to use more of your usable equity. And by more, I mean double. Now, obviously you wouldn't do this, but if you're going to make higher contributions, you know, more than double here and have double the deposit requirements, then you just buy two new properties rather than one old property because it just doesn't make sense anymore. Just within that as well, Andrew, that I just point out is... This extra $105,000 of cash flow input is solely going to the IRD. Yeah, there's it's no just benefit. in tax. So you'd never buy an existing property like this. The only time purchasing an existing property makes sense are in two situations. One, if you're borrowing it with a very, very low mortgage. So if you're, you're purchasing that property uh, almost entirely in cash, or if you are substantially renovating it, and we've got renovations webinars talking about how to do that as well. But if you are substantially renovating the property, you've got to get the rent up enough to compensate for uh, that, that uh, much higher tax bill as well. Now, one thing that I'll do as well, Andrew, is we will send this out, and I'm going to hit the save button because I knew that I'd want you to save it. You still put a new build, so I think you should save that as... Oh, no, no, keep it the same. Well, you just remind me that, okay, and I'll fix okay, that when we okay. go to dinner, okay? You okay. write that down on your, on your wee Look piece of paper. Look so presumptuous, so I'm going to take him for dinner. You are taking me out <laughs> for dinner. Anyway, here we go. So what have we covered today? Because we're coming to the end of our webinar. We've talked about the principles of property. We've talked about how to, to borrow more against your, your own home in order to be able to purchase a rental property. We've talked about how to see if you can invest it. I've given you a quiz for how to be able to do that. And we've talked about how to run a cash flow on the property. Now, usually at this point of the webinar, a lot of people say, oh, this has been great, guys. 
how can you potentially help me? How might these guys help me? And I just want to take two minutes to talk about it in case this is the first time you've ever met us before and you actually don't know anything about what we do. So what we do is we help people plan their portfolios. We help them build a property investment portfolio and we've got our own piece of software called My Wealth Plan that helps people do this. And we run all of these numbers in order to be able to figure it out. But effectively, what we do is we help you build a portfolio, plan for the future. So that means actually going out, seeing how much money are you going to need to re retire comfortably? How much money are you going to need to have to build a passive income? And then what we do is we help you find the right properties. We help you actually find those new builds. So those ones that Andrew uh, talked about earlier, those are some that real investors are going to be going and looking at. And there's about kind of 40 to 50 new investment couples who will come and work with us each and every week, which is a beautiful thing. Now, if you're interested in kind of hearing more about us or taking the next step, your next step is to book in for a portfolio planning session. Now, within that, that's where we create your My Wealth Plan using that software I just showed you. We'll then go and we'll help find the right properties that fit with that plan. So we'll go in and look for new builds for you. And then we'll dig into the details, make sure that, you know what, those are the right properties for you. Let's go ahead and go for them. And this service costs you zero dollars. There's no fee for investors. And the reason we do it that way is here's how we actually get paid. So when investors come in and work with us and work with a property partner, we've got relationships with 58 different developers around the country. Now, if we can find the right property and the right developer for you, then that's where we earn a fee from the developer. If you say, yep, that's the right property for me, I want to invest in that, I'm happy with the one you've selected, then that's how we earn our money. And that means that we can keep the lights on and we don't have to charge you a fee. We can just, it's zero dollars for investors. Now look, I won't natter on too much about this, but if you are interested in booking in one of those portfolio planning sessions, I'm gonna put one final poll across your screen. So it's gonna say, keen to book in for a complimentary portfolio planning session. If you click the top button, we will give you a call tomorrow to book a time. If you say, yes, please do call me to book a session. If you're like, nah, I'm good right now, I've had one before, I'm an existing client, or it's just not the right time for me to invest, click the bottom button, you won't get a call. And you know what, just to give you that opportunity, I'll put that across your screen now, so you can say either, yep, I'm keen, or you know what, not the right time for me right now. And either way, no trouble at all, we just want to give you that opportunity to go. Now, just while everybody's doing that, Andrew, I just want to say we are about to jump into the question and answer time as well, and I'm sure there will be some questions, um, and we're probably going to do that for maybe 20 minutes. And stick around for that, because this is when we get into the nuts and bolts of some of the uh, some of the things that we forget to cover, because we just kind of know them and, and forget to include them. Oh, I know, I've got a good one from Chanel, I've and got I've got one I've from got Nick as well. Great ones. Oh, have you been writing them down? Yeah. Oh, that's very good of yeah. you. I'm well, quite organised. Just before we get into those questions, I do want to say three things. If you want to learn more, then here are three ways you can do that. Either listen to the podcast, if you don't already, Property Academy podcast, daily show, every single day we release a new episode. Uh, episode today, 1097. God, we've I done can't a believe it. Them. You can believe and, it. And we just had our three year anniversary. We have. What? You're on your knee proposing to me. It's been three years. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If, if podcasts aren't your thing and actually you'd rather watch on YouTube, um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Opus Partners. We release a new video every Monday and every Wednesday. And finally, uh, when it comes out in November, 
by the book, Wealth Plan. We have taken everything we've talked about on the podcast and we've put it in a really structured way. I'm very proud of this book. It's a beautiful book and it's going to, for, for our existing investors that we work with, for people we've never worked with before, it's really going to help them. But actually, for anybody who, who has invested with us in the past, I think you're going to love this book even Absolutely. more. Because it's going to show you where you are and it's going to help you understand the whole strategy of what you're investing for. So, hey, I'm looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, let's jump into the Q&A, Andrew. Okay. And we're going to stick around for about 20-odd minutes. All right, let's do some rapid-fire ones. Uh, Raghu, I think is how you say that, um, said, with high interest rates, how viable is 100% lending? So I guess that really depends on your personal situation, and that's why you have to talk to a mortgage broker. We've got an in-house team called Catalyst Financial. Um, um, I would say that... 90% of our investors borrow with 100% lending um, because they need they, they, they're diligently paying down their mortgage, but they've still got some money to go on that. So it's very, very viable, um, but it does depend on your personal situation. Um, I'll just answer a few and then you can dump them. You go for it. Jordan asks, how do I use my KiwiSaver for deposit for my for first-time buyers? So uh, your KiwiSaver is accessible on the basis that you've been in for the set number of years. I think three is your minimum. Um, uh, you have to uh, leave $1,000 in there. Um, but you. But other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Um, uh, we have a service called uh, Opus First Home, um, which is available. You can find out more information on our website. Um, we help invest, uh, uh, people do that all the time. So if you want to look at that, you can contact Sammy through there. Um, Carolyn asked a really good question. What if my home is owned by a trust? So am I still able to borrow money against it? The short answer is yes. So... Uh, on the basis that you're the trustees of the trust and probably the beneficiaries or your kids are the beneficiaries, so long as you're the controlling party of that trust, it makes no difference from a percentage standpoint. One thing that does make a difference, which goes into Michael's question, is can I borrow 20%, uh, sorry, 80% against an existing investment property? Um, the answer to that is no, generally speaking. So if you've got an investment property and it's already owned by you, then the maximum borrowing against that is 60% unless you use a non-bank lender. So there are lenders that if you own your house and an investment property, then you can borrow up to 80% against that. So talk to Catalyst about that. Jacob said keen to see more about uh, My Wealth Plan, which we've covered a little bit more there. Um, we might do a webinar on My Wealth Plan and some case studies sometime in the near future. There's an exciting announcement coming with the launch of the book. Um, Shall we say now? Oh, go on, tell them, Andrew. So, Ed's been on at me at this, uh, and I'm still, I'm, I'm still undecided, but he does what he wants anyway. Um, we are going to make My Wealth Plan freely available for everyone in New Zealand. Well, anywhere in the world. So we're going to make that tool available to you, whether you use us or not. Um, that will be in conjunction with the launch of the book. I love how Mark has said, let's go, finally, awesome. Oh, good, you guys like that. That's great. I'm really excited for that. Can I jump in? Yeah, you go for it. Okay, I want to answer Chanel's question because Chanel, um, lots of people said I like this question. I'm going to come to you, so listen, please. Oh, okay. It's in front of you. Oh, right. um, they said, is it a good idea to max out on your first investment property or should you be a little more conservative? Yeah, really good question. So... Um, Chanel, one thing I would consider, especially when you're buying new builds, is how long is the build away? Um, so now if, if um, like with some of our projects, it might be 18 months away, 
a few things can happen in 18 months. So in that case, I probably wouldn't max myself out. Um, and generally speaking, a lot of our investors like to have something like a buffer account, so therefore you wouldn't max yourself out. So generally speaking, you don't max yourself out. Having said that, the calculator has some um, tolerances in there. So we've we've allowed for a certain number of expenses and, and assumptions in there. So the number you get on there might be a number that you can comfortably afford once you actually see a mortgage broker. And it's not designed to be the, um, the dollars and cents figure that you can get from the bank. It's there to be a guide. So what I'd do is I'd use that as a guide and then I talk to a mortgage broker, and then I talk to a financial advisor when you're looking at investing in property. Now, Ben's asked a great question that I want to answer, which is, why is it that we've done the ROI calculator based on 15 years rather than 10, oh, yeah, or based one. on 20? Now, the reason we've gone 15 is it's a very, very common uh, time frame that many of the investors that we meet and work with kind of invest over. Often we say you probably don't want to be investing in property, especially if you're going after capital gains, for any less than 10 years. Not just because 10 years is the bright line, but you, know, you really want to be in the market a lot longer to have any confidence within um, any substantial capital gains because property markets will be flat for some time, then they'll go um, bonkers and then they'll flatten out again. So 15 is a, a time period that we feel like a lot of people are comfortable with investing over. It's not too long, it's not too short. So that's kind of our happy medium. Um, when people work with us though at Opus Partners, I think we actually allow them to go any time from seven right out to 30 years, um, depending on how long they specifically are investing for, because we want to match the properties to that plan. Um, Monica's asked the question, why does year two in the Favona cash flow hit harder in terms of negative cash flow than year one? You'll see in our calculations there's a spike uh, next year. The reason for that is we're budgeting for higher interest rates next year. So if you are borrowing 100%, we're expecting your contributions to be high and probably the largest next year. So if you're working with someone like myself, what I'd do is I'd figure out a way that we can smooth out those contributions so you're always making the same. But very good question. What's so funny? The, what's funny is Tanya has, has sent you and I a message, which I'm going to read to everyone to embarrass Tanya. Oh. Tanya said, hey guys, thanks for the info. Always good. I've got to listen to your podcast, Ed, and she's put a sleepy emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so we met Tanya down in Palmerston well, North. I met Tanya a lot of times. Oh, I met Tanya down in Palmerston North. And she looked at me and she says, your podcast puts me to sleep. <laughs> I said, Tanya, what are you talking about? Most people listen to it to wake themselves up. She says to me, well, it's because I go to bed early and so I put it on so I can go to sleep and it puts me right out, but then I listen to it in the morning. So, Tanya, great to see you. Um, I enjoyed that immensely. Now, uh, there's one from Dylan that I want to cover. You cover first and then I'll add my two cents um, for all the things that you miss. Um, Dylan said, what about the current declines? What declines? Oh, the house price declines. Oh, great. The house price declines are something we talk a lot about. Um, so what I would probably say to you is, depending on who you listen to, we'd expect the property market to decline somewhere between 15 to 20% from the peak of the market. Now, the peak of the market was in November 2021 last year. So almost 12 months ago, kind of 10 months ago-ish. Now, that means we're, current, we're currently about 10% of declines compared to that. So I'd expect maybe we've got somewhere between five to 10% left to decline within the current market. But what I'd say is that trough, that bottom of the market is gonna become 
so much quicker than anybody's currently thinking. In fact, it was interesting, when the Reserve Bank last released their numbers, which was probably about a month or so ago now, there was a lot of media hysteria talking about that the Reserve Bank had upgraded upgraded their forecast from a 15% decline from the, the top of the market to a 20% decline from the top of the market. But what the media missed was they also brought the trough of where that bottom of the market was going to hit. They brought it forward six months. Then we had Tony Alexander, one of the best property economists on the uh, podcast, probably only about last week or the week before. We were talking to him again. Where do you think it's going to come? He was saying even further than that. So look, what I'm trying to suggest to you is that within the next six months, six to nine months, that's the time where you really want to be looking if you're trying to time the market. Now, here's the thing. Neither you, nor I, nor Tony, nor Andrew can actually time the market perfectly. But what we want to do is we want to get in cooey of whether it's a good time. So what I'm saying to a lot of investors is, hey, if you're looking to buy today, might not be a bad time to buy if we can get in cooey of that bottom of the market. Are we looking to eke out the last 5% of the bottom of the market? Or are we actually pretty happy knowing that in Auckland house prices have declined about 13% last time I read the numbers, Wellington about 17%. So we're not going to get the same again. We're not going to see another 17% decline. We're not going to see a 13%. We might see a couple of percentage points, but we've got to be looking at, look, we're... It's the end game for the falls in property prices. We're going to see the bottom of the market pretty soon. And I think, uh, yeah, like it says, everyone's an expert in retrospect, um, but nobody knows exactly what the market's going to do next year. Um, but I, you know, best guess is I think if you can buy right, if you can buy right now, as in buy the right deal and you can get the lending, then you kind of be silly not to because. If you end up missing the opportunity, you feel really silly afterwards. Um, so. A lot of the deals that I'm negotiating with developers at the moment, you know, I might see a price and I might see a valuation. I might say, well, it needs to be a bit better than that. The Favona ones are a great example. You know, originally the developer wanted about nine fifty for those, and I've negotiated them down to eight hundred ninety-nine thousand dollars. So I've already priced them at an appropriate level for any future drops, in my opinion. Again, I don't know, but that's kind of where I see them working from an investment standpoint. And I tell you this. In 15 years, if, even if the market drops back another 10%, in 15 years, you're going to be thinking, God, I'm glad I listened to those two weirdos on that webinar. Um, Sarah's got a great question yeah. that's had a lot of people say, can you please answer this? So I'm going to ask it for okay, you, fine. Andrew. So if you have low serviceability but good equity, e.g. You're, you're a single income but you're, you're almost mortgage-free or you've got a low mortgage, should you start with high yield or should you start with high growth? Growth will make you wealthier. Um, so if you can buy growth, you buy growth. But if you can't afford a top up, then you buy yield because it's better than nothing. Um, but it also depends on your age and stage. So often if people have almost paid off their mortgage, they might be closer to retirement. So you might start transitioning into that now. But if you're borrowing with debt, your high yield is gonna mostly go to paying down debt anyway. So that's why I say, if you can buy growth, buy growth. But that's where you probably need to have some one-on-one -on -one conversation with a financial advisor. Okay, Nick's just come back online and I told him I'd answer his question. Yeah. He, his question was around why do people go for interest only for five years oh, yep. rather than going into principal and interest? Yep. Are you going to answer that? No, 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 I'm going to let you do it. Okay, so the number one reason you go interest only, and there have been so many questions about interest only, so I wanted to cover this off, 
is because of cash flow. So if you're topping up, so that Favona property, I think the top up was $140 a week. Now let's say you're paying down principal as well, that might go to $400 a week. Now I'm just making up the numbers because I don't have the spreadsheet there, but you can do that on the spreadsheet. Now if you've got no personal mortgage, then you might be fine with that, but if you're buying this as your first investment and you've still got your own mortgage, well you might be only able to afford $140. If I didn't have a personal mortgage, then I'd probably say to myself, well, I've got all this equity, why don't I just buy two properties? And then I'd pay that same $400, although you're only using 280 in that example, I'd be using as much of my cash flow to own as many properties as possible. Because here's the thing, paying down principal is basically just saving money. So whilst it's not the end of the world paying down debt on your investment property, you know, you might pay off let's say over the 15 years, you might pay off a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's not gonna change your life. You saw the growth, it was close to a million dollars. So you're better off having more properties if that's what you wanna do, if you wanna build your wealth. Anything to add on that? No, that's perfectly answered. Now, the, uh, the other questions were, how long can I get interest only? What happens if I can't get after five years? There are products in the market that will allow you to go 20 years interest only. Um, we've done some... Uh, there is an excellent video on YouTube oh. called The Ultimate Guide to Interest Only. Um, I'd really encourage you to go watch that for all your interest only questions, because we talk about what happens at the end of the five-year period, what happens if... Um, my bank won't renew interest only on that five-year period. Um, and I know there were some great comments when we released that saying, thank you for recording this because I had questions, now it's answered them. Um, do you know what? Let me see if I can just pull that up and I'll show everybody exactly oh. where that is. Why don't you, Andrew, just answer one more question yeah, while I'm getting anonymous that Anonymous attendee said, um, do you have any tips to do this solely, i.e. partner not inclu uh, included as in, uh, as in not interested in investing in property um, and doesn't want their house included? Um, oh, that's, that's a tough one. That's a Such real a tough, tough one. one. I think we've done oh. some content on that. Did we do something the other day about getting your partner on the same page? I, I can't remember. Uh, maybe I, uh, the problem is I have so many conversations in a day, sometimes just in my head with myself, that I can't remember what we've done a podcast on or not. Um, if you want to use your equity in your house, your partner's going to have to be involved. Um, that's just the simple fact of it. Um, you can't get equity out without your partner being involved in that because you're putting their house at risk. Maybe you can come to an arrangement. I don't know. If I if I wanted to do it and Lauren wasn't going to let me do it, maybe I'd say, well, I want $200,000 to invest in property and you take 200000 out to invest in shoes. Uh, yeah, but one thing that we've just written an article on as well that's going to probably come out this week is what I'd encourage you to do is if you your partner's not keen and you're coming in to see us or another financial advisor, take them with you. They have so many questions, so many concerns, so many worries. And what we often see is one partner will be really keen on investing. And usually it's the partner who either travels for work or who um, is perhaps a stay-at-home partner, is what we've found from a lot of our, our financial advisors. listening to the... It's because they're listening to the podcast. So oh. if you're, if you're um, at home perhaps looking after your kids or if you're travelling a lot for work like I do, you end up listening to a lot of podcasts. Now, if you're listening to our one or you're watching this webinar and you're interested, you're going to understand some of these concepts that we talk about and you're going to be like, yeah, it makes sense to me. They're just not at that stage yet. So I think it's really important that you start listening to the same things, you start reading the same things, however they learn, provide them some content, maybe bring them to something like this, Rewatch this. But it's really about getting them comfortable with it. And when you do start to take that step, looking at properties or speaking with a financial advisor, 
take them with you. Yes. Really important so that you can answer their questions or they can have their questions answered. And a, and a big part to, to investing in property is actually knowing your why. Because I can tell you this, investing in property is pretty widely boring. You buy a property, you hold on to it, you sell it, you take the money, that's your profit. You've got to know what you're doing that for because you're taking on more debt, you're taking on more risk, and you've got a few more hassles along the way. So that's when you probably have this conversation of, okay, well, we've got usable equity in our house that's dead money right now. We've got a retirement gap or a wealth gap. What are we going to do about that? Once you establish the why... And, and then your commitment to dealing with the why, it becomes a lot easier to have that conversation. Now, just before we wrap up, I wanna show you the YouTube channel. I'm gonna share my screen. So this is the one that I would recommend you watch if you've got questions about, God, I look skinny back then. Look, look at your hair. I know, my hair was different. My hairdresser was telling me things at that stage. Um, <laughs> And this is a great one. What have people said? Thanks, it was informative, great graphs, thank you. Look, if you've got questions, 10 minutes long, it will teach you everything you need to know about interest only. Now, when you come on here, make sure you hit the subscribe button because what we do, and I'll just show you some of them. God, we released some good stuff on here. Um, reason why your mortgage got declined. That was a great one. Here we've got the top 10 financial advisors in New Zealand. Here we've got Tony oh, Alexander's predictions. You know, we release so much stuff on here. If you're not on the YouTube, get on there. It's a beautiful thing. One last question, Andrew, then we're going to go oh, off for no, dinner. I'm taking two. Two, okay, okay, fine. I've got one for you and one for me. Rachel said, it's a really good one, do properties with more land have better growth? Oh, we've actually done a really good analysis on this. I think it might be on the website, but it certainly is a podcast. Look, when we've run the numbers in the past, we have found no statistically significant difference between a property with, say, a thousand metres squared worth of land and a property with less than a hundred square metres. Now, what we do see is apartments with very little land, they do tend to grow in value more slowly. But when we've looked at even a property with 50 to 100 metres squared worth of land, and we've compared it to properties with a thousand metres squared of land or more, we've actually seen no statistically significant difference based on the data we have available. So it is something that often gets repeated, buy land, they're not making any more of it. Well, we actually don't see any difference when we're looking at individual properties and comparing that. That's what I'm seeing in the numbers. Uh, uh, and John who said, following for Chris's question, um, what's the best way to get a deposit for a turnkey if the builder's more than 12 months out and the bank won't lend you to top up your mortgage? Um, so, so, uh, one of my investors that I work with is exactly in this situation at the moment, and they actually organised a personal loan through um, Squirrel Money um, to be able to do this. Um, I think I think that's what the, the I, I, um, this this was all happening today, and they said, "Hey, look, I think we can get this. It's going to be nine point nine nine percent." The reason they can't get it at the moment, I think they said, was because they're doing renovations, and then they can top up the the mortgage. So there's a lot where there's a will, there's a way. Um, now. Our team can help you out at Catalyst Financial and direct you in the right uh, in the right area, even if it's not something we can do. So, yeah. Cool. Fantastic. We're going to wrap it up there, but we are going to be back next month with another property investment webinar. Look out for that. It's going to be a great time. Thanks so much for being with us, team. We'll see you shortly.